Welcome to Grace, everybody. This weekend, it's good to see you guys. Welcome everybody watching online. Good to see you too. And uh, I, I love when we do baptisms. Love it, love it, love it. Uh, they just tear me up. So now I have to sniff snot through the rest of our conversation. Uh, but it's worth it. I, I just love it. You know, I love seeing life change, and, and I love people getting excited about Jesus. And it, I, I don't know about you, I get tired sometimes serving the Lord. I, I do. It, it's hard sometimes and requires a lot of output, you know, and uh, the things that it takes for us to be the church that we are, you know, when, um, when we're serving and volunteering, when I'm writing that tithe check, you know, I, I drive a, a uh, GMC Yukon with 200,000 miles on it. Sometimes I write that check, I'm like, that's my truck payment, you know, kind of thing. And But man, when you see God move in somebody's life, right, and you see a family change and a life change, you know, I'll sign up and do that again all day, every day, right? It, it's, I, I'd so much rather have this than, uh, than those other things. And so I just love it, love it, love it, love it, and proud of these guys for taking that step publicly and grateful that we get to do that together as a, as a church. So it's, it's encouraging. So just excuse my sniffles. It's their fault. Uh, but we'll go from there. So welcome. Uh, it, it's exciting. We're headed into, I uh, call it Holy Week a lot, right? And so I really want you guys to take advantage of, of this week and uh, these communions that we've been talking about, talked about earlier, really encourage you to get to a communion. So there's uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, come to one of those. It's just, we're just a big church. We can't all fit in the building at once, so we break it up that way. But really encourage you to do that. If you grew up um, Protestant or like e evangelical, uh, then we do communions here at Grace for all the same reasons, theologically, doctrinally. So we believe it's a symbol of God's broken body, His shed blood. But we practice a form of it. It's actually very, very ancient. Uh, it's the way the very first Christians, a really, really early church, did communion. So we actually reenact the whole upper room. So we'll wash each other's feet, and then we'll take the bread and the cup, and then we'll either have a, a, a real meal. Some folks will gather in homes beforehand. Some will do it afterwards or a symbolic meal here at the building, and, uh, and, and all that is wrapped up in like a worship concert. And so just if you've never done it, it is meaningful and uh, even life-changing for some folks. I was talking to somebody in between one of the services and just said how impactful that was to their life. So come out to that. It's a big deal, and you're going to love it. And then next weekend, we added a couple services. So there's another one at the extension on Saturday, and then a late one on Gent Road on Sunday, and then all the regular times. So if you come to church, if Grace Church is your home church, find the service that is the most inconvenient for you, and you go to that one, and find the worst parking spot you can find. My Yukon will be out there. I might need you to jump it anyways. And so you can park out there with me. And then then uh, if you're bringing a guest, you can go to any service you want, and then we'll also make sure our, like our most popular services are opened up for our guests. So it's going to be a great weekend as, uh, as we celebrate Jesus' resurrection, so it'll be fun. So I want to talk about Holy Week. Uh, I want to talk about kind of what this week is and why we call it that. So if you didn't grow up in church, if that, if like you maybe know those words, like you kind of know it's Easter time, right? That, uh, we still celebrate Easter in our culture, so... I just want to walk through like what that is, and I want to start this weekend with what we call the triumphal entry, right, and what that is and what was going on there. And then during the week, those communions will really lean into like Jesus' suffering and death, and then next weekend, we'll, we'll blow it out with his resurrection, which is a blast. I'm going to walk you through that as well, okay? So this weekend, we call this um, a Palm Sunday weekend, or we call it the Triumphal Entry weekend. And all of that, if you didn't grow up in the church, all of that comes from what we call the Triumphal Entry or the beginning of the last weekend of Jesus's life, okay? So let me kind of frame this up for you in the Bible a little bit, and then we'll, we'll talk about what happened in that triumphal entry. So the Bible breaks into two parts, the Old Testament and the New Testament, and, and we talked a lot at the beginning of the year about the Old Testament through the Assume I Know Nothing series. And one of the big things you catch in the Old Testament is that it all points to Jesus, all right, so there's these Old Testament prophecies, there's 327 of them, and they all talk specifically about Jesus, and Jesus is the fulfillment 
of every one of those prophecies that went out like hundreds of years before Jesus was even born. So the whole Bible is pointing you toward the New Testament. And then, you, then Jesus shows up in person in the New Testament. He's in the Old Testament too. He shows up there in, in a little bit of a different way. But the, the, when we talk about Jesus, as we're kind of like familiar with him. It really starts in the New Testament. So the first four books of the New Testament called Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We call those the Gospels. And those books tell the life of Jesus uh, from his birth until his, his return into heaven. Actually shows up in Acts, but that, those books there, okay? When you talk about Jesus's life though, this is how it kind of works in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We know a lot about his birth. So we know about the angels and the shepherds and being born of a virgin, that miracle. Like we, we got that part down real clear and we know a lot about it. Then his childhood and kind of college years kind of thing, we don't know much about it. So there's a few snapshots here and there, like he shows up, teach at the temple. There, there's a few things here and there that we know about. We really pick most of Jesus' story up when he turns about 30 years old. And there's a bunch of reasons for that in the Bible, why 30 is like a, a big deal in the Bible in the ancient world. But it's really when he's about 30 that you kind of pick it up. And then the three years, you call it his ministry, the three years between 30 and 33. And then he was crucified when he was about 33 years old-ish, Right. So we know a lot about that. We know about him teaching. We know what he taught. We know what he said. It's all we have. That, that's the Bible. That's the New Testament. We know about his miracles, his interaction with people, those kind of things. Of those three years, the part of those three years that we know in the most detail is the last week of his life. So a bunch of Jesus's, what he recorded for us, what we made sure we have in the Bible, is actually his birth and his death, right? And we know a bunch of details about that time in his life. So that last week of his life starts with the triumphal entry. So when, we, when you think about like from, from this week and the next weekend, like that's the time frame literally between the triumphal entry and Jesus's resurrection. It happened like that quick, okay? And we know a lot about what's going on. So in that time frame is the Last Supper. He goes to the temple, the Garden of Gethsemane, if you're familiar with that. And then his time before Pilate, his, his suffering, his death, his resurrection, all is in that last, that last week of his life, okay? So I want to start talking with us this weekend at the beginning of that last week of his life and his entry into Jerusalem. <clears throat> and what I'm going to do is I'm going to take that from these Gospels, from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and I'm going to harmonize those Gospels. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John were followers of Jesus. They each write down what happened during the triumphal entry in the last week of his life, but they each write it down from their own perspective. And when you combine all of their perspectives, you get the clearest detail of what was going on. It's called harmonizing them. So I'm going to harmonize Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, like John wrote John, Matthew wrote Matthew. They weren't, they didn't have like a marketing department, so they weren't great with names. They're like, John wrote it. What should we call it? John. All right. So, and so that's what they did, right? And Luke. And the, so it's just their names. It's those guys writing down what God told them to write down so that we would know these, these things. Okay. So I'm going to walk you through the story. And I'm going to walk you through that harmonized gospel. I'm telling you that because if you look it up in your Bible, it's like, he's saying stuff that's not there. Now, if you use the app, we put it in the harmony in the app, so it'll make a little bit more sense to you, okay? So this is what happens. Jesus, throughout his life now, up to the last week of his life, he's out about teaching, right? Does miracles, teaches, Sermon on the Mount, feeds the 5,000, all those kind of things happens. Now we're at the last week of his life, and all of that is coming to a crescendo, all right? So he's entering into Jerusalem with his disciples, and it's crescendoing the kind of Jesus's life, right? Now Jerusalem's a big deal. Just like today, Jerusalem is the most sacred and holy place to the Jewish people. It was in Bible times too. It was the place, it was like a sacred, holy place for them because the temple was there. And, and so they really, really cared about that. What's happening in Jerusalem during this time is something called Passover, okay? So Passover is the most sacred celebration for the ancient Jewish people. So the most sacred kind of big deal celebration for them is happening in their most big deal sacred place, okay? So Jesus is coming into that, and he's about ready to walk into the, uh, the city. Now, over this teaching of time, 
a bunch of stuff has happened. A bunch of people love Jesus and they are just into him. So he is really hitting rock star status. He's coming to town. Twitter's blowing up. Like it's just a huge, huge deal that he's coming into town. So you got a ton of people that think he's great and he has honked a bunch of people off over the last three years, right? So specifically, you got these guys called the Pharisees and the Sadducees. The Pharisees and the Sadducees are Jewish religious leaders and also governmental leaders. So that was all mixed together for them, okay? And they don't like Jesus because he is shaking up their, their power base. He's looking at them and saying, oh, you don't have to do it that way. It seems like you made a bunch of stuff up and you're a fake. And, and so he's kind of working on them a little bit. They're feeling threatened. They're going to lose their power, their control, their money. So you got a bunch of people that love Jesus at this point in his life, and then a bunch of people that hate his guts, right? And the Romans weren't like thrilled with him either. So, so he's got people that love him, people that hate him, and this all kind of flows together at the triumphal entry, and all these people are kind of in these crowds that are surround him, looking at him, all right? So what happens is this. He comes up to Jerusalem. First thing he does, and I'll show you this in the Bible here in a second. First thing he does is he stops and he prays over Jerusalem, okay, over the city and the people of the city. And then he, he starts heading in. So he tells his disciples, he's like, listen, I want you guys to go get me a baby donkey called a colt. You go get that donkey for me. It's never been ridden, and I want you to bring it to me. Now, that happens specifically to fulfill prophecies. Prophecies in Isaiah 61 and Zechariah 9. So this is a part of it, Jesus demonstrating that he's God. So the disciples go do that. They get him the donkey. They bring it to him. He, he rides the donkey in as a gentle, meek, and, and uh, humble king, right? He's walking in. When he goes to the streets of Jerusalem, the place goes insane, right? So people take off their cloaks and lay them on the ground and they get palm branches. That's why we call it Palm Sunday. They get palm branches and lay them on the ground and wave them in the air. In the ancient world, to do that, it's actually how you would receive a king or receive a very, very powerful person. So that's kind of an ancient red carpet. I'm gonna lay my cloak on the ground, palm branches, and then they're waving the palm branches. That's kind of like an ancient, you know, foam finger. You're number one, Jesus, right? And so they're waving that, and they're shouting, Hosanna, 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 blessed comes in the name of the Lord. Here is the king of the Jews, right? So Jesus is walking in or riding in on this. Just kind of get in your, in your mind. It's, it's not hundreds of people, it's thousands of people, maybe tens of thousands of people. I mean, it's loaded because the city swelled. Think of Times Square on New Year's Eve. Like the city swelled with all these people because they're coming in for this Passover festival, okay? So that's the scenario. Jesus prays, he's riding the donkey in, people are all excited, bunch of them love him, bunch of them hate his guts, and he's walking into Jerusalem, and we call that the triumphal entry, the crescendo of Jesus' ministry to this point, okay? And then we'll, we'll pick the story up here in the Bible. So I'm going to start in Luke 19. Like I said, I'm going to harmonize all this. So Luke 19, as he approached Bethpage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying to them, go to the village ahead of you. As you enter it, you'll find a colt there, which has never been ridden untie it and bring it here. Mark 11, if anyone asks you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord needs it, and we'll send it back here shortly. They went, they found the cold outside in the street, tied the doorway, they untied it. Some people started uh, standing there, asked, what, what are you doing untying that cold? And they answered, as Jesus told them, and the people let them go. And when they brought the cold to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it, he sat on it, and many people spread their cloaks on the road, while others spread branches they had cut from the field. They lay down the ancient red carpet. Okay, now, here's the first verse I want us to really key into, all right? Matthew 21, 10, when people, when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city stirred and asked, who is this? Right, this is big, so we'll pause here for a second. So he's coming in, right? Donkey, everybody's freaking out, you're number one. As he entered Jerusalem, the whole city stirred, and they all asked this question, who is this? Who is this, right? So the people that love Jesus, or thought they did, are looking and saying, who is that? I mean, who, I, I, I Jesus, I know that, dummy, you know. But in my, for me, like, who is that? What is his deal? 
How do I think of him? How do I interact with him? What am I supposed to do with him? People who loved him were thinking about that. People who were just kind of fans were thinking about that. And the people who hated him were thinking about that. Who, who is it? What do we do with Jesus, right? Now, that's a really fair question because he's big and he kind of came from nowhere. He's not like, you know, the, the, the prince of the king kind of a thing. He's a carpenter. He came from the middle. He's like born and raised in Doylestown kind of a thing. Like came out of nowhere kind of a thing. And, the, and, it, and it's like, who, who is this? What do I do with him? What math is supposed to make sense for me? Jesus, okay, as he's riding in. So he's riding in the city, the whole city stirred, and they're all asking that question. And then what the Bible does is fascinating. The Bible starts to identify certain groups in the crowd. So we can start to understand them and get their perspective on things a little bit. So they're all asking this question, but what kind of position or what lenses are they asking this question through? So he's walking in, cheering, palm branches. Everybody's asking that question. And then you find the first group in John chapter 12, verse 12. The next day, the great crowd that had come from the fest or for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. So there's people in this crowd all asking, who is this? And some of those people that are in that crowd are people who had come for the festival. They had come from Passover, for Passover, for the big party, okay? Now, what are those people like? Those people are probably people from the region, right? From Galilee, from the area. And they've all come in for this Passover uh, uh, festival and all the rituals and all the things that go together with Passover, and they've come in to do that. Now, because they're from the region, it is very likely that many of these people had interacted with Jesus on one level or another. So some of these folks could have been at the feeding of the 5,000, right? Which wasn't five. So the Bible said, you know that story, like this homeschool kid brings his lunch to the meeting and nobody's got food. So Jesus takes it, multiplies the bread, multiplies the the fish, and he feeds 5,000, the Bible says men, because in the ancient world you didn't count women or children. Sorry, aren't you glad things have changed, right? So that's the way it was. So it's probably 30,000 people, and they're all sitting there listening to Jesus talk, do the Sermon on the Mount. So some of them might have eaten that bread. Some of them might have had that, that fish. Some of them might have listened to that story, right? So they, 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 they were all there. Uh, some of them might have been around when Jesus changed water into wine. Like this, they would have come to Jerusalem for the thing, and, and it, they were there. They're like, yeah, man, my cousin's wedding was crazy. Like, was, I don't know, we did the electric slide, and we did, the, you know, the boogaloo, and, 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 then, and then we ran out of wine, and he made wine. And let me tell you something, this guy can make some wine. It's fantastic. And with the bread, you get a little cheese. It's incredible, right? And so, right, so they, they had that. They might have known somebody that got healed. They might have been around when he, you know, got after one of the Pharisees or something like that. But they had been exposed to Jesus and his teaching and miracles in one way or another. And they're in the crowd. Now, they're asking the question, who is this? Who is this? And for these guys, that, that question is going to be answered in maybe some interesting ways. They're, they're going to look and say, well, this, this is the guy who can do the things for me that I want him to do. That's who that is. I, I put a little Jesus in my life, and man, the bread is good, the wine is good, the fish was good. Like, he... he does things for people. We know that that is their perspective at some of them because earlier in the Bible, it says people were crushing, chasing Jesus to get more bread. He, he, they wanted him to feed him again. He had to escape like in a boat to get away from them, right? So that, this mindset was real prevalent and out there. If you need something, if your life isn't going the way that you want it to go, if you want, you know, if you want to be healthy and balanced, right, you're exercising, eating right, and now you need to work on your spiritual part, like he's the guy for that. He's really good for that. If you have a dream for your life, he has the ability to help that dream come true. So they're in the crowd, and they're asking that question, who is this? What, what, do, I, what do I do with him, All right? The story goes on then. Jesus would know those people there. Remember that Hosanna, 
king of the Jews, all that kind of stuff. So they did that. The people, uh, they and all the people took palm branches, went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. Uh, Matthew 21 says this took place so that what was spoken through the prophet, say to the daughter Zion, see your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a, of a donkey. So that's all playing out. And then you get to the second group of people in the crowd. John chapter 12 again. Now the crowd, there was the crowd that came for the festival. Now the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. So there's a second group of people. And this is a crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb. So if you know that story, uh, Jesus had a friend named Lazarus who died. And Lazarus' sisters, Mary and Martha, sent word to Jesus, said, hey, your friend died. Jesus and the disciples kind of took the long way around, but eventually got to uh, the house, met Mary and Martha, and, and they said, Lord, if you'd been here, you could have healed him. And Jesus, this is three days after he died. And Jesus was like, well, take me to the tomb, because in the ancient world, you didn't embalm, and often you didn't even bury, especially if you had a little bit of money, you would go into a tomb, right? And so he says, take me to the tomb. So they go out to the tomb, and Jesus says, roll the stone away, roll the stone back. One of my favorite verses in the whole Bible, and the old King James used to say, but Lord, he stinketh. <laughs> so yeah, I say that about, you know, your teenager's shoes too. So they, they stinketh. All right, so they, they roll the stone away. Jesus prays and then commands and says, Lazarus, come out. And in this miracle, Jesus raised him from the dead. He raised several people from the dead, but he raised Lazarus from the dead. Lazarus comes out like in his burial clothes, right? Walks out and is raised from the dead and still living at this point. So these people were with Jesus when that happened. They're, they're in the crowd and they're like, yeah, man, I was there, dude. I'm telling you what. Like, he was really dead. Yeah, he stinketh. I mean, like he was, like, he was good and dead. And, and he... Uh, and he wrote, oh, are you sure he just wasn't unconscious? No, I wrapped him up. Uh, he was dead, man. And I'm telling you, he, he, when he said come out, he, he, he came out, you know. Oh, man, that's crazy. Were you there? Oh, I wasn't there, but I worked with Lazarus. Like he was gone for the weekends back on Tuesday. I mean, it was just <laughs> crazy, crazy, right? And so, so these people were, were there, and, and they were interacting with him on one way or another, and they keep spreading the word. They're like, that's the guy that ra you heard that Lazarus thing? That's the guy that raised him from the dead. Now, they had a, they're asking the question, who is this? Who is, remember, the whole city's asking that. Who is this? What's going on? And these guys, their perspective would have been a little bit different. They, they would have looked and said, um, I don't know for sure, but he's no joke. Like, I, he raised that guy from the dead. So I don't know if he's a prophet, like Moses and Elijah, because they did miracles too, and like Jesus is just another one. Um, I, don't, I don't know if he just has a hotline to God, but I saw it, and it's no joke, and he, he is, he is, not a normal human being, right? So there might have been some that believed he was God, for sure. Others are like, I don't, I don't know if he's God or not, but I'm telling you, he's beyond that. And then others are like, he, he, is, he is of the human beings. He is like the best of the human beings. So if I was going to choose a higher power, if I was going to choose a role model, if I was going to believe in prayer, I pray that guy. Is he God? I don't know. But man, he's not normal. And, and he's that way. And he is the, the best of us, for sure, at a, at a minimum. Maybe a prophet, maybe even God. Now, that's a fascinating thing, right? Because it, it's a fascinating thing to look at. And, and they're saying, no, I agree that he's different. And, and when I say, who is this? I'm not... Maybe I know, maybe I don't, but he's not, that like legit happened, okay? It goes on. So Jesus, now he, remember he's riding through the streets. It's all, it's all happening simultaneously. Hosanna, 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 King of the Jews, right? 
people from the festival, people were there when he lays, lay, uh, raised Lazarus from the dead. And then the Bible points out this third group of people in John chapter 12, verse 18. says, many people, because they had heard that he performed this sign, went out to meet him. So there's a third group of people. So there's, you know, there's the, 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 the guys who are like Jesus fans waiting for the bread, bread and wine cannon to go off, you know, right? And then there's people like, no, he's some, something legit is there. And then there's this third group of people, they just heard about it. And so word had spread and they heard about Lazarus being raised from the dead and maybe some of his other miracles. And they go out there as well. They're asking the question, who is this? And trying to decide what math they're going to do on it also. Now, these guys are fascinating. I'm sure there's a spectrum of, of viewpoint from them, but most certainly in that crowd, you, you've got like your looky-loos, you know, like, oh, there's a popular guy in town doing selfies, stuff like that, right? So, they're, 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 you got those guys. Then you've got people who hear that he has power and hear, this is an important one, ready? They hear he's the king of the Jews. That's a big deal. Right? Because when they hear that, they do some math. So remember, Jerusalem is under Roman occupation. So they, are, they, are, they have a foreign power ruling them right now, and they hate that. And so they are politically oppressed. So when they hear king of the Jews, they're like, oh, that he is going to be our king. He is going to reestablish the throne of David which means that Israel is going to be a superpower again. He's going to make Israel great again, right? And, and we're, going to, we're going to throw off this, uh, this occupation that we hate. So when they heard king of the Jews, they would have heard that politically, some of them, right? And we're going to get back and finally have freedom to do what we want to do. That's some of them. So you got looky-loos, you got those guys, and then you got another set of people the Romans are occupying and oppressing. Ready? And the Pharisees are oppressing. So these are politically oppressed people because the Pharisees would make up a new rule all the time and it was driving everybody nuts. And they got control and they controlled you and they made money off of it. It was a corrupt system. So they would look at you for they could do it. They could look at you and say, you know, you got to go to church every week. All right, you got to wear a tie. A tie? Yeah, you got to wear a tie. All right, all right. It's got to be a silk tie. A silk tie? You know how expensive they are? Well, you got to wear a silk tie. You have to. We're the Pharisees. We say so. All right, well, you got to wear a silk tie from silk that comes from the blah, 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 blah in the, you know, Swiss Alps. How am I supposed to get that? Well, we have it. We have that kind of silk, and we've made ties. So you have to buy our tie. So I got to go to church, yeah? I got to wear a tie, yeah? And I have to wear your tie, our tie. What's it cost? Ten times as much as a normal tie. Well, I can't afford it. Well, you can pay the temple tax, money changers. You can do what we say, or you cannot have your sins forgiven by God. It's up to you. So you got a bunch of people who are living in that. And so they're, they're, they're occupied by the Romans, oppressed by the Jewish leaders, and they're sick of it. And they, they hear about Jesus. They're like, wait a minute, wait a minute. We heard things. We heard he told the Pharisees off. Yeah, he did. He called them whitewashed tombs. Oh, that's a good one. I got to write that down. He, he, he called them brood of vipers. A brood? Yeah, he called them a brood of vipers. Oh, my gosh. I've been wanting to say that to them for years. Yeah, he stood on the debate stage, and he went off on the Pharisees. We like them. We like them. Yeah. And so he, he'll stand up to them? Yeah. He's got a spine? Yeah. And, he, and he's going to break down all these barriers? What he said... What he said, he said, we just believe in him and we can skip all that other stuff. And they're in the crowd, right? And he's got power and he's a king and, and, and they're looking at them and they're wrestling with it. Well, who, who is this? Well, he's going to, he'll fix the country. That's who he is. 
who is this? Well, he's going he's gonna to fix this corrupt, organized religion junk. That's who that is. I like this guy, Jesus. Woohoo! he's my palm branch. You're number one, right? And this is all, ha- as he's coming into the city, this is all happening. And people are receiving him this way, but there's all these eyeballs, and they're all asking the same question, right? Who is this, and what is he like? And they're there, and the Pharisees are there. So there's another set of people, and they're like, who is this? And they say, this is a threat. And they say this in John chapter 12, verse 19. So the Pharisees said to others, see, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, teacher, rebuke your disciples. And Jesus said, I tell you, if I keep quiet, the stones will cry out to worship to worship me. And so you got those eyeballs. Who is this? That's a threat. We got to kill that guy. Right? And all that's happening as Jesus is coming into the city, this crescendo of his life, his crowning moment, his triumphal entry. Now, this is what is fascinating. It's fascinating to kind of step back and say, ask this question, what was Jesus thinking? What was he thinking as he's walking in the city? And thankfully, the Bible tells us So the Bible says this in the book of Luke, chapter 41, right? Luke chapter 41, as he approached Jerusalem. So this is on, he's on the outside right before he goes in and all this plays out. He knows it's going to play out and he knows how the week's going to end, right? Because he's God, so he knows all these kind of things. So he knows it's going to play out, he knows how the week's going to end. As he approached Jerusalem, he saw the city, ready? And he wept over it. A couple times Jesus wept in the Bible. One was when Lazarus died and this right here. So he grieved over it. He wept over it. His heart was crushed over it. And he said, if you, Jerusalem, the people in it, if you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it's hidden from your eyes. Fascinating. He weeps over it and he says, guys, if you knew what would bring you peace? But you don't. And it crushes my heart. It breaks my heart. What was, he, what was he thinking about? Jesus, as he rides through the city and all these people in this crowd are looking at him, and he's looking and saying, uh, if you, you think, like group one, you think if I make your problems go away, you will have peace. That's what you think. You think if life just goes the way that you want it to go, that you will have peace. You, you've seen me heal. You've watched me make the bread and the wine. Like, you know, so you, you think if I make your physical ailment go away, that, that you will be at peace. You think if I pay all your bills, that you'll be at peace. You think if I help you get that house that you're really trying to get, that you'll bring a peace. And, and you see me that way, and you seeing me that way crushes me, breaks my heart. That that's all you see. That's how you answer that question. Who is this? Right? And Jesus might look at those people and say, you know, I... I can do that. You know, I can, I can heal you. I can make all the blind see and all the lame walk. And I, I, can, I can do that if you want. You know, I can, meet, I can make food for every. I've done it. Made the man in the Old Testament. I, I can do it if you, if you want. I can give you that house if you want. If, if that's what you want, I can, I can make your business go good. That's what you want. Here's the problem. Nobody's healed forever. So I, you know, I, can, I can straighten your bum knee out, but you're going to die. I can, I can give you all the money in the world, but you can't buy your way out of the grave. I can give you that house, but let's be honest. I mean, if you think about it, you're going to regret buying it and be discontent with that one too. So I, I can do it, but he said this earlier. He goes, but what would it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose your soul. You can make my life go the way. I, you know what? You're actually right about that, but I'm not, that's not why I'm dying. 
And it breaks my heart. It crushes me that you think that's going to bring you peace because it's not. It's not. Keeps writing and he sees the other perspectives. You know, the next group comes out. You, you are something special, Jesus. You are the best of us. You are the best of us. You are a role model. You are, if I was going to pray, I would pray to you because you are the best of us. And Jesus might look and say, you know what, it's true. It's true, I am the best of you. If you're gonna pick a role model, I'd be the right guy, you know? Um, But it breaks my heart that you would just think that way. Because I'm not just that, there are many, many human beings that are phenomenal people that we honor and should. Washington, Lincoln, Dr. King, Gandhi, they, they have statues and they should have them. When we think of heroes and the best of us, we should think of those people. It's, it's legit. But none of those people have over, ever overcome death. So they can't, they can lead the way for us and remind us of what is right and good. They did all that, but they can't save our soul. So it breaks his heart. He's, he looks and says, boy, if you, if you see me, you recognize me. He's one of the prophets. Moses didn't raise himself from the dead. Jeremiah didn't raise himself from the dead. Isaiah did. These are great guys who spoke for God, did incredible things, but they're not. And Jesus might look and say, you know, that, that's, all, that's all true and fine and, and good, but if it stops there, Liking Jesus, appreciating Jesus, respecting Jesus is not remotely close to calling him God, Lord, Savior. So it breaks, it weeps. But you guys are going to do that. You're going you're to think that you found this. It's going to bring you peace. It's not, not at all. And he looks at these other group and save the country. Yeah, save the country. Yeah, can, can you save the country? And I can. You want me to? I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm the one who raises up kings and tears them down. Uh, I, I'm the one, any political leader who accepts the teachings of Jesus and implements them for the benefit of the people that they lead is, is going to bless the people. Right, so yeah, we're gonna need to run the country on biblical principle. You're, you know what? You're right. You're right. We all should do that. We all should sell everything we have and give it to the poor. Oh, I didn't, I didn't mean that one. Right, but, but like it's right. So we, we you're right. I, I can do that if you want. But here's the problem: there, there are many ancient countries on the planet. There are no eternal ones. So none of them are going to, none of them are going to last. Right. And, and, and Jesus says, no, I'm, I'm different. In fact, he's having this conversation with Pilate right before he goes to be crucified. And Pilate comes up to him and says, you king? He says, yeah. He, he, well, he says, are you a king? Jesus says, well, who gave you that notion? Did you come up with that on your own or did somebody tell you that? And Pilate looks at him and says, I'm, I'm not a Jew. He said, they're saying that. They're saying you're the king or are you a king? And Jesus says, you know, I, my, I am. I have a kingdom, but my kingdom's not of this earth. It comes from a different place. He says, if my kingdom was from this earth, my followers would be fighting you to keep me from being arrested, and they're not. Right? So my kingdom's completely different. In fact, one of his followers did that. When Jesus got arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane right before he went to the cross, Peter pulled out a sword, cut a guy's ear off. And Jesus responded. He's like, Pete, knock it down. Here's your ear back. Stop it. You know, I don't, I don't want that. He put the guy's ear back on. He'll, he's like, I, this is not what we're doing. I got a different play going on here. So you're, am I a king? Yeah, I'm a king, but I'm not for the kingdom you're talking about. I can do that. But man, it breaks my heart that you think that's going to give you peace. If she got elected, is that really going to give you peace? That's what you want. He got elected. That, that's what you want. Like that, that's going to give you peace. Are you going to? Are you going to wind up frustrated with no matter who? Because there's a. 
I, I, there's a bigger thing, there's a greater thing that I'm coming to provide for you. I'm not here to save a country, I'm here to build a kingdom. And it breaks my heart that when you answer the question, who is this, you would say, my political solution to my temporal problem. Now for the Christian, for the Christ follower, we have the benefit of having the rest of the story, right? So we know what happens. Jesus goes to the cross, he dies, he raises himself from the dead. So we know the rest of the story. So when we look at Jesus writing and we see him differently, that's why we, we kind of need to give these people a little bit of a break because they don't know the rest of the story yet, right? So, so when we look and see Jesus riding in on the triumphal entry and we're asking the question, who is this? If, if you're a, a Christ follower, you would answer that question in a very clear way. We would look and say, here's a big word for you. If you use this word, you'll impress your friends. We, we would look and say, that is the incarnate God. So incarnate just, just means God in the flesh. God was skin on. So when we look at Jesus, we're like, that is, that is not a guy that just makes my life go the way that I want it to. That is not a political solution. That, that is more than a role model. That is the incarnate God. That is God with skin on. God who stepped out of heaven and came down to earth. When he was born through the miracle of the virgin birth. When he lived in innocent life. Fully God and fully human. That is the incarnate God and we interact with him as God, Right? Now, you could ask the question, well, why does, if he's fully God, fully human, why, why? Like, why is that such a big deal? Why would God come down and put skin on? Because it's only through Jesus living the human experience as God, fully God, fully man, God with skin on, that God makes sense to us, Right? So you could ask me a question, and, and, and they're impossible to answer. So you could come up to me and say, Dr. Bogue, I have a theological question for you. Yes, my child, I would say. And you could say, can you explain to me the eternal God? What part of the eternal God? Well, I would like to know how God has always been and always will be and was never created but will last forever. Can you explain that to me, please? And I would look at you and say, no, my, I don't get it either. I just kind of know it's in the book, but I don't, I don't get it. Hmm, fascinating. Uh, Dr. Bogue, could you explain to me love, the concept of sacrificial, selfless, all-encompassing love? Because I read that God, the eternal God, is a God of love. Can you explain love to me, Dr. Bogue? And I would look at you and say, not really. I don't, I don't really get the whole thing with great. I mean, it's over my head a little bit. And then you would look at me and say, where exactly did you get your degree from? Because you see incompetent, right? And so, right, I'm, I'm, you're probably right. Heidi got me through school. So, but, but it, it, right? so you, you would look and say, I can't explain that stuff. I don't know the answers to those things. Now, you could look at me and say this. Dr. Bogue, can you describe love? Yes. Describe it to me. Love looks like when you lay your life down for a friend. See, I can understand that. I can't understand eternity. I'm a human being. I'm caught in time. I don't understand much beyond time. I just trust eternity, right? I can't understand love, unconditional love, because I'm a sinner. So all my love has conditions on it. But I can see love when, when someone who is innocent lays their life down for someone who is guilty, I know that's love. I know what heroic love looks like. When, when someone crashes through to the rescue I know that that is selfless, humble love. When, when, a, when, a, when a Navy SEAL jumps on the grenade to save his buddies, he was not murdered, he did not commit suicide, he sacrificed his life for his buddies. When those firefighters went up the steps of the Twin Towers, they were not murdered, they did not commit suicide, they gave their lives for the people they were trying to rescue. I know that's love. I know that should be respected. I, I know I want to aspire to that. I can see that. Well, that's Christ on levels beyond comprehension, but with skin on, the incarnate God.
when he is beaten, when he's mocked, when he, when he suffers, when, it, when, he, when his heart explodes, when he suffocates from the fluid building up in his lungs, when he gives his life, and the whole time, at any minute, he could have tapped out and called it off. But he did it on purpose. He signed up for that mission. So when I look at Jesus riding through those streets of Jerusalem, I, I, I see that. The incarnate God, a God who came for us, a God who came to rescue us, who, who was the only play. If he doesn't do it, and I look at that and I impose that upon the human condition, and the Bible tells me that every human being is a sinner. All of us are headed on a trajectory toward hell. It's not that we're going to go there one day, it's that we're on our way right now. That is the way our life is moving. Without Christ, we're an enemy of God. We're an object of God's wrath. We will be eternally separated from Him. That is where I am going. And I needed that God, that incarnate God, to break in, defeat sin and death. See, I respect all of these other men and women who've given their life, but none of them have defeated death. They live great lives. We should respect them, even copy them. But they've never defeated death. So I needed him to break in, defeat sin and death, so that when I accept the forgiveness of my sin, he reverses the trajectory of my life. I move from death to life. That's a pretty big reversal. I move from hopelessness to hope. I move from, from, from defeat to victory. And when I ask the question, who is this? I, I want to answer that question with the depth and the truth of who Christ was and is. Because every other answer is overkill. It makes my life work out. Well, you can mostly make your life work out on your own. Did he have to lay his life down for? I need a role model. What? You find a role model. There's legit role models. Did he have to suffer and die for? God have to come out of heaven to? You need to fix the country. I, good luck, I guess. But it, is this is this what had to happen? See how it's overkill? But if that's the incarnate God in gentleness, meekness, and humbleness roaring to my rescue with the intention of laying his life down and being the only one who can reverse the trajectory of my soul. Now, you could ask the question, I would. You might say, oh, Jeff, you're kind of being judgmental about all these people. I mean, you're like reading their mind. I got you, but let's do some math. A few days later, remember this is all in a week. So this isn't like later on when they went to college and started, this is a few days later. These people who are asking the question, who is this, move from Hosanna, 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 King of the Jews, to execute him, execute him, execute him, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. That's a pretty big reversal. Why? Well, I mean, that is a dramatic, the, the thousands turn into these thousands. How in the world? Okay. Because Jesus didn't give them what they wanted. He wasn't who they wanted him to be. Make my problems go away. N no. I'll walk with you through them. Execute him. I don't want that. I want this. See? Be a role model. Yeah, I'm not... I'm, I'm, I, you need to worship me. What? You're so self-righteous. I don't want that. I want this. Ex just execute him then. 
save the country, make Israel great again. Nope. My kingdom is completely different. And in my kingdom, the first will be last, the last will be first. Well, I'm not doing what? Execute him. It, ooh. And he didn't give them what they thought they wanted. And he knew they were going to react this way. And before he ever walked in, it broke his heart. Oh, guys. You think, you, you don't even know what's going to bring you peace. You think it's this stuff. It's not. It's me. As your Lord, as your Savior. And it, it made him made him weep that it was going to be missed that dramatically. So the Palm Sunday weekend question is that one. It's the, it's the who is this? And that's the, the personalized question. You know, who, the, the people who were baptized this weekend and Many others, have, have, when they, when they we, everybody asked that question, who, what I, I got to do something with Jesus. What do I do, you know? And what they said was, you know what? No, he is my God, my Lord, my rescuer, my savior. I, I'm not a fan. I'm a, I'm a follower. And they personalized that. He's not a God out there, a religion, right? It, it, it's a deeper that he defines and directs my heart. So what do you, what do, you do with that? How, how do you answer the question? That, that's the thing, because we all got to answer it. How do you answer it? Who is this riding through the streets of Jerusalem? Right? That's what I want, want us to do, okay? Let's take a couple minutes and let's just be still. Can we do that? Wait on the coffee in the bathroom. If there was 10 minutes left of the movie, you would make it. So, you know, so just chill for a second. We're terrible at doing this. So like put your phone face down. And the, the Bible actually says to do this, to be still. Because when we're still, we get into our brain and gets into our soul. Okay. So even those watching online, just be chill for a minute, right? Just still for a minute. And, and ask yourself that question. Who is this? Give yourself a little bit of headspace. And ask God to help you to like expose that answer. Because everybody knows, I don't know he's God, not Jeff told me. But to you, right? Who is this? Is Christ your Lord and your Savior? Right? So let's take a few minutes and, and chew on that. The band will lead us in a song, and then I'll come back up and, and talk to us a little bit more, okay? But let, let's do that. Let me, let me pray, and then we'll be, we'll be still for a minute. Jesus, help us in this moment. God, on very, very personal levels, would you press into the heart and mind of everyone who is listening to me right now? And God, would you just spiritually interact with them? Help them to evaluate their relationship with you because we don't want to be fans. We want to be, be the children of God. And, and so help us discern that and understand it and respond appropriately. Do that in these still moments, Jesus, in your name.